Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we got another exciting show getting ready to go down tonight. We are in Pewter Prime Time, and of course, we are energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com. I'm Matt Matera here with B.A. Bailey Adams as we get ready to start an action-packed show because, Bailey, the news never stops. So when we are covering every single little bit of the news, we always make sure that we are fueled by Celsius and check out the Celsius Essentials I have the blue crush, which I was crushing Celsius earlier. You got the orange right there. Uh, the raspberry. This one's already finished because we've been crushing it. The dragonberry is fantastic as well. The whole Pewter Report staff has been having it, and we will continue to do so as we are live in Mobile, Alabama. Just had day one of the Senior Bowl, but we got a lot of other news to get into, Bailey, because... <laughs> This coaching search, it just started with an offensive coordinator, but it's expanded much further than that. Yeah, it absolutely has, and it just won't stop. And it's like, I don't know if you remember from The Office when Jim and Dwight are having their snowball <laughs> fight, and they just cut to Jim, and he says, I just want it to stop. That's yeah. what I want to have is I want it to stop because there's just a lot going on here. We're trying to, trying to cover the Senior Bowl, and there's nonstop coaching news. So the latest, uh, it became official earlier on Tuesday that Dave Canales is taking – Wide receivers coach Brad Idzik with him to Carolina. He's becoming their offensive coordinator. And just within the last hour or so, it's become uh, official that it's been reported that uh, offensive line coach Joe Gilbert and assistant head coach and run game coordinator Harold Goodwin are also going to Carolina. So whoever the Bucks end up hiring as their new offensive coordinator is going to have to fill out their staff as well. Yeah, absolutely. Which I kind of think that part is better because yeah. the offensive coordinator is coming in and says, hey, uh, can we get rid of these guys first and then I can bring in my own group? So even though the Bucs are struggling to find candidates in the first place, at least that is something that you can have as a little bargaining chip now that you can bring in your own O-line group and, and a wide receivers coach. But uh, in terms of Isaac and Goody and Gilbert, Isaac I think is the least shocking of it all. I mean, obviously he's extremely, extremely close with Dave Canales. If you guys remember when, Isaac and Canales first moved to Tampa in the first place. Isaac already had his own spot because uh, he had lived in Tampa previously. So the whole Canales family was, was living with Brad Isaac for a little bit. So now he gets an opportunity to go to Carolina, have an expanded role and build his own career. Um, the one with Harold Goodwin and Joe Gilbert comes as a little more surprising just because of their, amount of years that they've had in the Bucks organization, um, obviously winning a championship with this group as well. But if you look a little bit further into the finer details of it all, if you will, I don't know if it's necessarily the worst thing for the Bucks. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's probably not. I, I think it's weird because the, the 2020 Super Bowl staff is quickly, you know, it's quickly fading. And, you know, the, the big one still left is Todd Bowles, and he's the head coach now. Um, but the entire offensive staff is about to look completely different. Um, but with, with the, when you, we look at what they've done, at least in terms of Harold Goodwin and, and the run game as the run game coordinator, they have not had a good rushing attack 
Well, I mean, since even before he came in, but ever yeah. since he got here, again, it's, it hasn't gotten much better. I think it was over the last five years that he's been with the Bucks. They've never finished above 24th in rushing. And each of the last two years, they finished dead last. And they got better this year. They, they ran for more yards yeah. per game this year, but we're still dead last in the league. So you saw some marginal improvements, but not the kind of improvement that you need. And hopefully whoever ends up coming in and whatever things look like next year with the staff, it'll be a, a much bigger jump. And, and we'll see a little bit more of what Todd Bowles wants to see because he wants to run the football and they weren't able to do that very consistently this past year. I think you can accurately say that it was baby steps with the Bucks run game this season because, yes, they did improve. I thought they did a solid job even when it was in crunch time. Yeah. And we need to milk the clock and kind of ice the game out. I think the Bucs were actually quite successful. I think they might have been one of the things they were best at in the run game yeah. is, is finishing games. Uh, but to that same notion, being dead last, like 32 out of 32 in the last two seasons, even though you upgraded to, I believe it was 88.8 yards per game, rushing yards per game last season, um, it's not the worst thing in the world that you have a couple of new offensive line coaches that will be coming in to improve that run game, especially with Rashad White. And Rashad White was oh so close to getting a thousand rushing yards on the year, which is it's been quite a while since the Bucks were able to accomplish this goal. And I think part of the problem as well with Goody, with Gilbert, is when they came in, they were with the Bruce Arians coaching staff, the Bruce Arians philosophy, excuse me, of offense, which is much more airing it out, throwing it deep down the field, and no risk it, no biscuit, all that fun stuff that we've said over the years and when when you go that way maybe there's just a little bit more focus on pass blocking and protecting the quarterback than necessarily there is um, establishing the run and and doing the the ground and pound that other teams are quite good at but that was not the mo of dave canales when he came in last season so um, a little bit of a combination of philosophies there but then at the same time, they're going to reunite <laughs> with Dave Canales. So that part doesn't make as much sense to me. Yeah, it's, it's a little weird. Um, I think what's, what's probably interesting about this and most interesting about this to me is what it does for Todd Bowles and what it does to, you know, the next year, the next, at least the next few months for Todd Bowles. Is it's already going to be a big year for him. He's 17 and 17 in two years as the Bucks head coach. I know in the regular season, he did get – Big playoff win over Philadelphia, I think, helped save his job. But I wouldn't say he's still on firm ground. I wouldn't say, like, he's really, oh, yeah, he's just he's, – he's where he is and he'll be there for the next three years, even the next two years. Like, it, this is, I think, coming up still going to be another really, really big season for Todd Bowles. Yeah. And now, you know, it, it would have helped him if he would have had the same offensive staff and especially with the improvements late on in the season. You know, if they would have had that continuity, I would have probably felt pretty good about the Bucks. And I, it's, we'll still see what happens with, with the roster and who he hires. But – we would have felt good about a four straight NFC South title. Yeah. And, and you would have felt really good. There wouldn't be as many question marks. Now it's an entirely new staff coming in. And, and right now it looks like they're having a hard time finding candidates for this job because I mean, we can talk about, you know, the latest in that search, but Gerard Johnson, who they interviewed today, just informed teams who want to hire him as offensive coordinator, might hire him as offensive coordinator, that he's staying in, in Houston. So there's another quick candidate off the board. And I don't know where they go from here. Yeah, uh, I'll comment on that in just a second. But the last thing I kind of want to get to, and uh, shout out to Joshua Ellsworth for this comment, who says the fact that they are leaving but staying in the NFC South makes it so much more frustrating. What I don't truly understand about all of that is, I get it from Isaac's standpoint. One, he's back with Canals. Two, odds are or he's going to be the, the offensive coordinator. But for Goody and Gilbert, you're leaving a team that has made the playoffs, as you said, the last four years. Got to the second round of the postseason um, this most recent year. And you're going to Carolina with a much worse team. But how much are you really getting elevated like in your development as a coach? Like Goody was already an assistant coach. There's only one offensive coordinator yeah. that can be on the team. And if that goes to Itzik, then... Goody's in the same spot where the highest he can be is an assistant coach. And, and Gilbert, it's, it's kind of similar for sure. Um, so that part I didn't totally understand when it comes to 
um, all of this. But to, to get to the next point that you were talking about, I do want to say one more yeah, thing off of what you just said is the stability that they now just gained by following Canales to Carolina is mm. he got a six year deal. And I know they won't get six year deal, six year deals necessarily, but it's the fact that maybe they're looking at the Bucks right now and saying, our jobs aren't necessarily safe. You know, a, a bad or mediocre season in 2024 could mean we're out looking for a job next year. So maybe this thing where they say, you know, we're, we're, we're up against it. And if, if Dave wants to take us with him to Carolina, let's do that. And let's, let's start to try to build something there. Cause maybe they had reached, you know, the end of the line in Tampa. And that was another thing as well is that uh, their contracts were up too. And necessarily the Bucks didn't want to uh, re-sign them, which is a whole nother fly in the ointment. Another discussion that um, we could spend a very long time on. So the most recent news with the offensive coordinator search for the Buccaneers, it's still ongoing. Doesn't seem like it's going to stop anytime soon. We literally spent this show yesterday, Scott Reynolds and I, it was breaking news. You were the one that handed <laughs> us the laptop yeah. that showed that Gerard Johnson from the Texans um, had interviewed with the Buccaneers. Now he's informing everybody that he does not want to be anywhere else besides the Houston Texans. So that is another guy off the board. Now the Bucs did complete an interview with former uh, Eagles offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson. And then more news broke today that Lions tight end coach and passing game coordinator Tanner Engstrand is going to be interviewing with the Buccaneers as well. So they are just uh, pushing the goalposts further and further. But I guess I have to say, ask the same question that I did yesterday why are these people not interviewing with the Bucks offensively anymore or for the offensive coordinator job after saying, yeah, uh, I thank you. I'll do an interview, yeah. but now I'm done. Well, that's the thing is, so there's, I think two or three guys who were supposed to, supposed to interview with them never even got to their interview. They took other jobs before yeah. then. Now Johnson takes the interview, does the interview and says, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. So, it's concerning. I, I think you got you and Scott talked about it yesterday. It's, it's concerning for the Bucs to not only be able to nail down who their next offensive coordinator is going to be, but they're not even getting, you know, the, the talent pool and the overall candidate pool they have, they've completed interviews with or are going to complete interviews with, completely unproven. And, and I don't know if you know, it worked for them last year, but does lightning strike twice? Are you going to be able to do that two years in a row? If Todd Bowles can do that, then that's almost a feather in his cap that he has an eye and, and he can, he can, hire an offensive coordinator that's good enough to then get hired as a head coach. But in, in as much as this keeps spinning a cycle, when you have a defensive head coach, you're, you're running the risk of not finding the right guy. And nobody in this, in this pool of candidates is really exciting to me right now. So I don't know where they're going to go. And I think they're going to have a hard time selling this and selling this fan base on, you know, what, you know, what they're going to do going forward on offense. Well, that's what I want to ask you next, because if we talk about you know, Brian Johnson, who's previously with the Eagles, um, I, I ju I'm just not a big fan of that conversation slash that probability if he were to be brought to Tampa, because we saw the Eagles offense regress last season. And Todd Bowles got the better of him in the playoffs what makes it seem like there's going to be any difference with, with him at the helm, if that were to be the case? That's the thing. He just got fired. Like yeah. he just, it was just last year. It's not like, you know, oh, he had a year off and then this is another shot. It's weeks ago he was let go. And, you know, the, the Eagles didn't want to bring him back. And I think just ask Eagles fans how they feel about him and how they feel about how the offense did this year with him leading the way. And, I don't know. It's you're you're getting a either a recently fired head coach or or not head coach recently fired coordinator or someone who's never called plays before. Those are your two options right now. So you know, pick your poison and and we'll see where they go. And I, I think the other one, Alex Van Pelt, is a guy who's been around the league a long time, hasn't called plays in a while, but with the previous relationship with Baker Mayfield, that might be your best bet right now. And I he still even still Alex Van Pelt doesn't doesn't excite me that much. So. Well, we'll see, Matt. Well, sure. so we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but I guess we can expand upon it further. The big reason with Van Pelt is the fact that he has experience with Baker Mayfield. Now, last year at this time, it was 
one, they don't even know who their quarterback is going to be. And then it became, well, okay, you have Baker Mayfield. What can you do with Baker? You can answer that second part now because, well, not even necessarily because he's not on the team, yeah. but if, if you, you know he were to back. come back, yeah. if you, know he's you back. can answer that second part because Canales and the Buccaneers found success with him at quarterback. But now I guess the question is this year, with now more coaches leaving, going in the division, it's not as much of a guarantee that Baker Mayfield is going to return. So the possibility of not having Baker next season, I wonder how much that plays into some of these offensive coordinators saying or assistant coaches on offense saying, you know what, on second thought, I'm good where I am. Thank you. Yeah, it's almost like I, I don't want to take the risk of not knowing who the quarterback is going to be. And, and in that way, it's the same situation they were in last year. When Brady retired, it was who's going to be their quarterback? Is it going to be Kyle Trask? Are they going to draft someone? And then Baker Mayfield signs a signs a one-year prove-it deal after they get Canales, and, and it all worked out really, really well. But all of that came, coming together isn't necessarily going to happen again. So mm-hmm. it, it's going to be interesting to see because if – Baker, and that's where re-signing Baker becomes so much more important, is if Baker Mayfield, we don't have to get into this too much now, no. but if, if Baker Mayfield's not coming back, who is the quarterback? And that, that is going to be right. you know, a scary thing when if you, don't, if you don't know the quarterback and you have a completely new offensive staff, you're just starting over. And that's, that's not a good spot for Todd Bowles to be in when he needs to win next year. Felix Schmidt says, trade for Justin Fields. Justin Fields would be great in the Dave Canales offense, but we just don't know (laughs) what that offense is. I shouldn't say great, but there is a window of how he could thrive in that type of situation. I just wonder with Justin Fields, I mean, the Bucs, I don't think are in a position, nor do I think they should put themselves in a position where they're giving up, I guess I'll say valuable capital for, Justin Fields, but at the same time, it doesn't seem like the Bears are just going to willingly give up Justin Fields. They want teams to actually give up some type of important draft pick, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've, I've thought of the idea <laughs> of Justin Fields, not even just with uh, the box, but even Atlanta, I, I can see that going on. But um, yeah, it'd be curious to see if the Bucs didn't go with Justin Fields or sorry, with Baker Mayfield, what that um, outlook would would really be like next year. Yeah, and everything we just talked about, this this ongoing offensive coordinator search, having to refill the entire or replace the entire offensive staff and not being sure about Baker Mayfield and you know Carolina getting you know, taking all of the Bucks coaches mm. on offense. It's you look at the landscape of the NFC South and that's where you do find some concern. Again with Todd Bowles needing to win next year, it's Atlanta's making moves to get better. You know, they hire Raheem Morris, they hire Zach Robinson as offensive coordinator. Things are looking up for them. I think there's a lot more hope in Atlanta than there was this past year. And they weren't even a bad, necessarily a bad team this past year. They just weren't good enough. And Arthur Smith wasn't good enough. They went seven and 10, three years in a row. Things are looking up for them. And toward the end of the year, things are starting to look up for the Saints. I know they're looking for their offensive coordinator as well. And then the Panthers are still going to be a, a couple years away. But it's no, it's it's one of those things where it's no guarantee that next year is going to be, you know, another successful season. You know, the Bucs are going to win the division. They're going to get to the playoffs. And so with all of that going on, it's like the Bucks keep taking hits and the rest of the division is kind of starting to, you know, find themselves back up on even, even footing. Bucks, uh, Bucks run the South. Like we said, you got, you got your current Buccaneers, yeah. you got half the other Buccaneers yeah. on, on the Panthers now, <laughs> and you got even longer time Buccaneers in Raheem Morris uh, back in Atlanta um, to go back to uh, Tanner uh, Engstrand again, who's the, Lions a tight end coach slash passing game coordinator. A little more information on him. He was uh, he began his coaching career under Jim Harbaugh, who does pretty well with quarterbacks, going way back to the University of San Diego. Uh, he did that from 2005 to 2017. So you want to talk about stability? That is some stability that um, you know Bucks fans are looking for. Then became an offensive analyst at Michigan in 2018 and then spent some time working in the XFL, too. Um, And then he joined the Lions and, uh, you know, had the the current role that he has now over the last four seasons. It's one of those situations, Bailey, where, yeah, you hear passing game coordinator. You're like, all right, that sounds better than like a running backs coach or Mm -hmm. assistant wide receivers coach or, or things of that nature. But then you do fall into the trap of, 
well, are you just benefiting from being the quarterback's coach with Ben Johnson uh, mm-hmm. right in there? Or did you add another piece to the puzzle? We don't necessarily know that with uh, Angstrand, but at least we can say he's been around to a couple of different places. He's worked with a quote-unquote quarterback guy or a quarterback whisperer um, in, in Harbaugh. No one's going to confuse Harbaugh with uh, Bruce Arians, but – is there any optimism that we can look at that or suggest that, eh, well, we're at options, you know, 9, 10, and 11 at this point? I, I think there could be. I, I think there's always risk involved, but I think that's kind of how you see the NFL go. Is you go, you see them go to these offensive coaches and pick coaches from their coaching tree. And yeah. it's it's worked in the past, you know, in a lot of ways. Sometimes it hasn't. But, you know, with Ingstrand, it's, it's interesting to kind of look at his whole – his timeline as a coach where, yeah, he spent that long at San Diego. He went from grad assistant to running backs coach to quarterbacks coach to offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. And then he was the assistant head coach, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach from 13 to 17. So long time there and, and a lot of experience with different positions on the offensive side of the ball. And then he goes and works with Harbaugh again as an analyst with Michigan. Um, and so, yeah, time in the XFL. But now he's worked with Ben Johnson. So he's worked with Harbaugh. He's worked with Ben Johnson. Um, obviously, uh, I think he would have had – play calling duties at San Diego, which I'm not even really sure what level University of San Diego. It's not San Diego State. It's the University of San Diego. Yeah. I'm not really sure where uh, where they play in, in terms of the hierarchy of college football, but that would probably be his, his only experience play calling, and that was you know years ago. Lately, it's just been a lower level. I wouldn't say lower level, but an assistant you know with, with the Lions where he's worked with Ben Johnson. He's worked with these other coaches and We'll see. I mean, we'll see what whether he even gets to an interview or if he decides I'm staying. Put, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean if we, we know tomorrow, it could come out that uh, you know he he had a change of heart with that as well. I know, and I can speak for all the pewter people, all the pewter reporters on staff, that there is no change of heart when it comes to Celsius Energy Drinks, the official energy drink of the Pewter Report podcast. You got to check out. The newest flavors of the Celsius Essentials. You saw us uh, putting up the the cans earlier on in the show. There's 270 milligrams of caffeine to help you live fit. And, of course, there's no sugar. It's the ultimate energy drink that helps support your physical and cognitive performances. Um, They're specifically formulated with a lineup of bold flavors. And it's a game changer for those wanting to unlock their full potential take their fitness journey to the next level you can find the celsius essentials at 7-elevens nationwide you can pick up their three flavor variety pack um, which is now available at walmart and they are rolling out uh, nationwide to select retailers and of course um, soon they will be coming to amazon so whether it's the celsius essentials that uh, we have just learned to love or some of the um, og flavors like the sparkling lemon lime, sparkling orange, sparkling watermelon. If you need to know where to find a Celsius, go to the store locator, punch in your address. I'll tell you the closest place you can pick one up. Maybe a convenience store or maybe, just maybe, your bodega. <laughs> I love this. Every live show we're doing it um, when we're all together. And once you keep going to your bodega and you know you love it, you want to get in bulk, you can once again, you go over to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save and get that variety pack. It's variety of spice of life. Have it sent to your place of residence whenever you want. You're in charge. You're the captain. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius energy drinks. Make Celsius your number one pick. Celsius, the official energy drink of the Pewter Report podcast. Bailey, some other news we have today had to do with the Pro Bowl yeah. and your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's what's funny about, we talked about earlier, how much news is coming out quick and fast, and I forgot about this. forgot this happened. This was, you know, early this morning, so. You wrote it. But yeah, I wrote the story. <laughs> I wrote the story. You know, the, the senior bowl practices were starting, and, you know, we, we get in there, and I'm like, all right, I gotta write this story real quick. I forgot about it already because of all the offensive coordinator stuff, and now the coaching departures, but yes, Tristan Wirfs is replacing Trent Williams at the Pro Bowl. Uh, Trent Williams, of course, with the 49ers, is going to be in the Super Bowl. So we're filling in as a replacement there, his third Pro Bowl in four years. Um, you know, joining rare rare company as far as Bucks players who have done that. I believe it was Mike Allstott was the only other to make it three times in his first four years in the league. Um, and then the other one is Baker Mayfield. He's going to be replacing Dak Prescott after a career year. And I think 
um, you know, that just puts puts nice feather in the cap of his his bounce back season, yeah. his his career revival where he threw for four thousand forty four yards, twenty eight touchdowns, ten interceptions, and and led the Bucks to the second round of the playoffs. So a big congratulations to both of those guys because they will be now at the Pro Bowl games in Orlando this weekend. Yeah, very happy for both of them. Obviously, Tristan Wirfs participated in the events last year. And unfortunately, there's not as much for offensive linemen to do. I, I believe he was part of the essentially the obstacle course that they had going on in between the flag football game. It kind of stinks that we're not going to see Mike Evans. I wonder if that's more of, hey, I've been to the Pro Bowl a thousand times. I don't need to do this again, and I'm not as interested in playing um, you know, a flag football game, especially when he's a free agent this year and is trying to cash in one last time for a big payday. Where Baker, on the other hand, again, in the same boat, like doesn't want to injure himself or anything of that nature. But Baker hasn't been as many times as Mike. This is his first one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's his uh is it? Uh yeah. Thought first maybe he got it with uh with Cleveland. But anyway, he hasn't been there as much. So Anyway, um, Scotty J with a $1.99 super chat says, dang gum, <laughs> Dave is talking to all of our coaches on offense. We yeah, are, we are in Alabama. <laughs> we are in Alabama, so uh, that's true. Um, I mean, we could see if anyone else gets poached. I mean, you saw Goody and Gilbert go. Um, Isaac is gone, so you, you need new offensive line, new wide receiver. Maybe if you're the running backs coach, uh, you know, Skip Pete, you're going, well, you know, this is only my first year in Tampa after coming from Dallas. There's not too much stability anymore. I don't have as many connections with this coaching staff as I do, say, around the league. So I don't know. I mean, maybe running backs coach is next. But I think an even bigger question, Bailey, is, what do you do with Tom Moore? We cannot. I was, gonna, I was we, just going to say, so help me God if Dave Canales <laughs> takes Tom Moore away from the Bucks. We cannot live in a Bucks world where Tom Moore is no longer with the team. I mean, that relationship with Vita Vea alone was uh, was super fun to see throughout the year. So you, you who knows Tom, what's going to happen next? You lose Tom Moore to Carolina. Vita's following him. Yeah. You're going to have Vita Vea in, in the Panthers uniform, so. Yeah, so uh, a lot of big stuff that came out just from the Buccaneers today, and we still have all of the Senior Bowl to talk about um, as well. But first, before we get into all of that, I mean, the Bucs are betting on hopefully getting uh, another offensive coordinator that can find a lot of success. You don't have to bet on something like that. It's going to be so crucial. But you can bet on other things that are coming up, including – the uh, Super Bowl, ever hear of that? That is coming up sometime soon. Um, if you go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code Pewter and um, get a first deposit bonus when you have the promo code Pewter. Uh, that's free money in your account. So even if you learn from Plants and Math, you know that that is a heck of a deal. Um, and not just for football as well. You can do it for all the main sports. You can go on over to uh, mybookie.ag, use that promo code Pewter, that's P-E-W-T-E-R, and get a, a first deposit bonus over with MyBookie. All right, like I said, we're going to get into the Senior Bowl now, day one, and we have such a big crew over at the Pewter Report staff that were there today. We're going to do a little hockey shift and change on the fly Joining us now is Josh Capo and Adam Slavon. So, uh, gentlemen, take it away with your opinions and thoughts on day one of the Senior Bowl. Yeah, Matt. So it was a big day um, between the national team and the American team. A lot of uh, players who really stood out, a few players who I think probably disappointed from what they were hoping to show. And uh, what's really cool is, Adam, you got a chance to kind of look at a few different position groups. I got a chance to look at a few bishops different position groups the sun got a chance to look at me a lot you can see it from the rosy red yeah. uh face because i was stubborn and decided not to put on sunscreen like everybody else so everybody can get a good laugh at that um but adam we'll start with you just some of the standouts from the position groups that you got a chance to look at yeah i would definitely say the wide receiver group uh on both sides what really stood out to me especially looking at the national team every wide receiver pretty much besides Jacob Cohen really stood out and really proved that they're draft eligible. When you look at it, you have guys like Brendan Rice, the 6'2 
uh, USC wide receiver who caught a lot of passes from Caleb Williams, caught a few more today, and he really displayed his physicality going up against Johnny Dixon. He was holding him every time, but that didn't stop him from making some great plays. And uh, Peter Reports spoke to Rice after practice, and he mentioned that he's a Mike Evans fanboy, and he was kind of showing that physicality out there. Uh, a couple other wide receivers that stood out, Roman Wilson out of Michigan, his separation and route running. Uh, Ricky Pearsall from Florida, contested catchability. He displayed it for the Gators last year, and he displayed it today at practice. And also Devontae Walker, he's a little bit raw with his route running, but he also showed that he has the NFL build and some NFL abilities in getting open on his routes and creating that separation, which is really vital. Yep. I know there was one receiver who really kind of stood out for you, though. Who was that? Ooh, man, Lad McConkey uh, on the American team. He stood out to me for his route running. He's really polished, and he really improved his draft stock. And in a lot of ways, he went from being maybe like a mid-day two guy to an early day two guy. If there was one guy that stood out to me, it would be McConkey. Gotcha. All right, very cool. For me, I took a look at kind of the trenches. And um, there's one player, he's making the rounds on, online. I think he stood out to just about every person yeah. who was there. Uh, I actually did a, a draft profile on him a few weeks ago, and uh, he didn't disappoint. And that was uh, Jackson Powers Johnson. Just he looks the part. He has the, the NFL build already. He was a man among boys, strong. His anchor was rock solid. But then he would get on the move, and he'd be running downfield with skill position players with uh, lead blocks and just getting to dudes in, in space. Um, he has amazing grip strength. Once he got a hold of, of a defender of a defensive tackle, the, the guy just wasn't going anywhere. And then a finisher's mindset in the way he plays and a finisher's mindset in the way that he even talks. I got a chance to talk to him um, after practice. And he was just like, look, it's a physical game. You want to play it physically. And that leads us to one of his big influences. He loves Ryan Jensen of the Bucks, Very much play style in line with Ryan Jensen. So yeah. Jensen probably moving on this year after, you know, unfortunately, a, a devastating uh, injury. Jackson Powers Johnson, maybe at 26, he could be that next Ryan Jensen. So he was the one guy that really stood out, but he wasn't the only center that had a good day. Uh, Kingsley Egwick. I'm going to butcher his name and I apologize. Aguican uh, from the University of Florida, also very strong. He moved well, had a great anchor. He also had some finishing sets um, with him. Maybe you, you hear through the echo of the whistle. Um, he was playing through like the whistle was five minutes ago. So <laughs> a little bit uh, of concern there, um, but nobody could deny what he was bringing to the table in terms of physicality and just being able to win those one-on-one -on -one reps. On the other side of the ball, um, just some edge rushers that, that I'll kind of work through because I know a lot of Bucks fans are, are um, interested in what the Bucks could do at edge. Definitely. Uh, Leatu Latu uh, of UCLA, he did stand out. He had a really nice cross chop and inside swim move. So he really kind of showed that he is that day one, that first round pick. For him, a lot of it's just going to come down to the medicals because he's had some injury concerns. Um, one that I did a profile on today was Alabama edge rusher Chris Braswell. Um, he did not have the day that I think he wanted to have. He even mentioned it when I got a chance to talk to him after practice. Um, he had said, you know, there were some mistakes that I made. I want to get those cleaned up before tomorrow. He was trying to win with kind of the skill set that he's predicated his game on, which is power and strength. And it wasn't really translating in these practices. Uh, he got shut down by... Um, Tyler Guyton. Uh, he had a, a really good day. He had a great day. Him and T Talia's Fuaga, both tackles who had really some amazing days. Um, who are some other guys that you really uh, stood out to you? Yeah, on the defensive side of the ball, two guys uh, that stood out to me. Uh, Cedric Gray, uh, the linebacker from the University of North Carolina. Got to speak to him after practice, and he mentioned, man, he could be a Devin White replacement at 6'2", 235, He's a rangy inside linebacker, had a lot of production his last two years with the Tar Heels. And what he provides is athleticism, but also leadership. Uh, that's something that really stood out to me. Being an inside linebacker, you have to have that leadership. You have to be the guy in the middle of the huddle pregame, firing up the guys. 
And he very much sounds like a guy that could do that for the Bucs. Maybe not a first or second round pick, but somebody maybe round four, round five, kind of where they drafted Sebastian Dennis. He could fit that mold and add some more depth to that position. Uh, another player that stood out to me was Kenyon Mitchell, uh, the cornerback out of Toledo. He had a really impressive day trying to lock up so many of the, the big time wide receivers at the senior bowl. And at six feet, he plays physical and he probably had the best day of all the corners out there. Um, speaking of corners, one that caught my attention, even though I wasn't really looking for it was Chris Abrams, uh, Prane, mm. I, I think is the way it's pronounced out of Missouri. Now he may not be a Bucks target necessarily as an outside corner, However, he has some experience from 2021 playing in the slot, and that could be a position that the Bucks target. Um, he was extremely sticky in coverage. Um, he was uh, very active through the one-on-ones. He was undercutting routes, using his hands well, and then you know, just looking at some of the things dating back to his actual time in college. This past year, he only allowed a 47% catch rate. Mm-hmm. Um, and his best three of his best four games came against Kansas State, Florida, and South Carolina. So on the biggest stage against some of the best opponents, he really showed up. So that was one that really kind of um, jumped out to me. And then we talked about Jackson uh, Powers Johnson. He was able to clear some holes for a running back, uh, Rasheen Ali, out, out of, of Marshall. Marshall. Um, it's very difficult in these practices for a running back to really – show up in the 11 on 11s because they're not tackling, right? They're just kind of in shells and shorts. But he was still able to rack up some explosive runs, some really nice cuts and get downfield without what would have been a tackle occurring. So he was one that really kind of um, stood out to me. Yeah. And also doing that, I just want to say up the middle, I think is a big thing going in between the tackles. A lot of these running backs they're known for being receiver backs. Uh, you have Dylan Laube out of New Hampshire. He had like 300 receiving yards in a game. Going up the middle, though, against in the trenches is going to be huge, and Ali really impressed in that regard. Uh, somebody else I want to point out for uh, having a couple big plays is Jalen Simpson, uh, the defensive back out of Auburn. And, you know, Jason Light, he likes those Auburn defensive backs, Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean. Maybe Jalen Simpson could be an answer at safety. Uh, Safety is obviously a need for the Bucs with Ryan Neal going to be gone. And Jalen Simpson had a big pass breakup. You know, he did the seatbelt celebration after. He seems like a really uh, intelligent player. And Todd Bowles, he likes his defensive backs able to have that football IQ and pairing that with communication. So for me, Jalen Simpson really stood out and he could be a Bucks target there. Yep. Two other safeties to just talk about real quickly. Uh, one that I know a lot of people, it's kind of on their ra- radar. Miami uh, safety Cameron Kinchins. I won't say it a bad day. I won't say it a great day. Um, you know, in these these settings, it's a little bit harder for safeties to kind of show out. I think he had a fine day. And then, uh, but one safety that did kind of show out was uh, Bo Braid from Maryland. He had several pass breakups. He was all around the ball. He was flying around the field. Um, I think he really raised his draft stock today. What about quarterbacks? Who quarterbacks? Honestly, I would say that the two that stood out most to me were Sam Hartman and uh, Michael Pratt. So those are the two names that every Bucks fan was thinking about when they thought about the senior bowl. They wanted you to talk about Sam Hartman and Michael Pratt. I'm sure. Yeah. Not Bo Nix, Michael Penix. Nah, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but for Sam Hartman, I really liked his accuracy and kind of having that gunslinger mentality paired with that. I think you saw that on display uh, during his time at Wake Forest and at Notre Dame with Hartman, he has a good deep ball and he kind of, he, he lobs it up, but he doesn't in a way where his receivers can get under it and get in position. I thought he did a great job. And then for Michael Pratt, uh, the American team, they don't have the firepower uh, that the national team does with that Bo Nix, with the Michael Penix. But for Michael Pratt, he just, when he plays, he seems like an intelligent quarterback. He was a full-time starter at Tulane and he really impressed with his accuracy moving. Uh, quarterbacks did a lot of drills with kind of like some mock pressure. And he was able to be accurate and put it right in between the numbers. So it may not be the guys he expected, but Hartman and Pratt to me really stood out at the quarterback position. Yeah. Um, one last guy that kind of um, just popped for me, one that I wasn't expecting, kind of more of a sleeper guy. And you talked about creating pressure was um, 
Western Michigan edge rusher, Marshawn Neeland. Um, had a couple of really great reps, one on the outside where he showed some bend. They brought him inside, had him run one-on-ones against some guards. He had one rep where he just ran the guard over. So somebody I'm really excited to see, can he keep that up in day two, which kind of brings me to, that's one of the big things with the senior bowl is it's, you know, it's three days of practices and you, we can even tell from last year, last year, day one, I distinctly remember Kansas state uh, defensive back, Julius Brent's had an incredible day. Everybody was talking about him. Day two came back down to earth a little bit, didn't have quite as an impactful of a day. So each day you're going to see the real standouts are going to have consistently good days. The guys who maybe have uh, some upside, they're going to show out one day, but maybe not the next. So tomorrow we could be talking about different players. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow we could be saying, Guys who had really great days here on Tuesday had a much more lackluster day on Wednesday. So I think that's a big thing to keep in mind that these aren't linear. You're not going to see the same guys every day. Some of them you will, but not every single guy. And it's really about who can improve from Tuesday to Wednesday, Wednesday to Thursday. And that's how you really create some extra um, juice and get that stock, uh, your draft stock really raising. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And kind of speaking to that, I spoke with Houston uh, left tackle Patrick Paul today, and that was something that he mentioned was stacking days. Even though he had an impressive day uh, in many scouts' minds, it's all about that improvement every day. You want to get better. You don't want to just stay stagnant because you're going up against the best of the best. A lot of these guys in the Senior Bowl, as the years have gone on, these are NFL caliber players. So you need to step up. You need to bring it. And mentioning Paul, he actually played with Logan Hall, uh, the Bucks defensive lineman uh, from 2019 to 2021. And what he mentioned about Logan Hall, kind of keeping it Bucks centric, is that he's a great human being, a great guy. And that during that time, those two years that they spent together, they had a lot of great battles uh, from offensive tackle to defensive lineman in the trenches. Those guys were going at it every day. So I thought that was really cool seeing that that Bucks theme in uh, the senior bowl. And you know, Jason Light, he loves the senior bowl players. Who knows how many he could draft this year. Yeah. Pete with a a comment here, best personality from the day. So for me, so what's really cool with with media is we get a chance to watch guys on the field, but then we get to get a chance to go on the field and and talk with a few people. Um, The one that really stood out for me really was Jackson powers Johnson, because he talked about that finishers mentality, just the way it, he said it so succinctly and he believes it. When he was like, it's a physical game. I'm going to play it physically. Yeah. That to me just, I think it sums up that he eats, breathes, chews, you know, drinks football. And that really, it's a big part of his personality. And you can see it come through. He enjoys what he does. That's a great pick. And I just want to say about Jackson Powers Johnson, you can see that mean streak when Mm -hmm. he plays. And he's every bit of 334 pounds. Uh, For me, the best personality, you would have to say Brendan Rice. Uh, the wide receiver out of USC. To me, when you look at Rice, he has all the ability in the world and playing or, or being the son of the best wide receiver uh, in the NFL history, uh, Jerry Rice. To me, Brendan Rice, he has uh, like the fanboyness of Mike Evans, mm-hmm. you know, like watching him growing up and that Texas A&M connection, but also just being physical and playing out the snap, making a lot of contested catches. The, the big thing for me with Rice is can he be more than just a red zone threat? He had 12 touchdowns at USC last season. Can he show some speed and be more than just, hey, I'm 6'2", I'm physical, I'm going to get after it. Can he create that separation? He's going to be a name to watch for me the rest of this week. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of names to watch, what I think would be really cool as we kind of wind down this podcast is you, Pewter Report readers, listeners, viewers, Drop in the the chat here, who do you want us to maybe keep a lookout for tomorrow? Maybe some guys that we didn't mention today that you were really excited to hear about. If you drop that in the chat, we will make sure to check it out. We will make sure to make a note of those players and be able to give you a little bit of a synopsis of what kind of a day they had on Wednesday. Now, Clinton Harrell says, if you have had a chance to evaluate, what is your honest opinion on Jalen Harrell outside linebacker and rush end from, from Michigan. I'll be honest. I, I have no recollection of him. That doesn't mean he had a bad day. One thing to keep in mind is these rosters are you know, 
50, 60 players long on each side. There's so much going on at any individual time. At a certain point, we have to kind of key in on certain guys and you do lose track of other guys. So that's one that I'll make sure to take a look for tomorrow. But um, I can't remember anything negative. I can't remember anything positive about him. I saw there's a comment about Jalen Simpson mentioning him. Uh, Jalen Simpson, he would have been my runner up for best personality, like getting to listen to him. He he's another one of those guys that when he talks like he's very calm, Mm -hmm. but when he's on the field, he plays with that mean streak and that really that demeanor to just get after it. And that pass breakup that he had, I mean, that's a great sign. He's going to be someone I make sure I keep my my eyes on uh, as the week goes on. So. I think that just about does it for us here in Mobile, Alabama. So for what's that? We're going to transition. Uh, we're gonna transition. Um, so that's for it for me and Sly. So we'll yeah. transition back to uh, Matt Matera and uh, give us just a second for what will be just a hard cut. <laughs> Appreciate you, gentlemen. Great job with your insights and analysis. And of course, We want to give a big shout out to uh, everybody watching the show and an even bigger shout out to Eric Gross and the Eric Gross Group, the official realty group of PeterReport.com and the Peter Report podcast. It takes a full team effort to win a football game and it takes a full team effort to win in real estate. The Eric Gross Group has done hundreds of transactions in this crazy real estate market and has experience in all types of situations. Eric is an avid Pewter Report reader and a Tampa native whose father was stationed at McDill Air Force Base. He and his team have the market knowledge, top-notch communication, and commitment to excellent service that sets them apart. With their strong team of vendors and a network of over 85,000 agents, the Eric Gross Group will turn your dream of buying or selling a home into a reality. Their clients are not just transactions. They are lifelong friends. Ships. Uh, don't let the stress of buying or selling a home keep you out of the game. Let the Eric Gross Group take the pressure off. Find them on Facebook and Instagram and check out the Eric Gross Group website at housesinfla.com or you can give them a call at 513 907 Four two seven one. That's housesinfla.com and 513-907-4271. No matter where you are on your home ownership journey, you'll feel welcome with the Eric Gross Group, the official realty group of pewterreport.com. All right, we are back. And Scott Reynolds Hello. is with us, the face that runs the place. Scott, you had a great video before with Brendan Rice. I know uh, Josh and Adam were just talking about it a uh, moment ago, but I wanted to um, just read the quote for everybody as well. Highly recommend seeing the video on pewterreport.com. But in the meantime, uh, Rice said, I definitely tried to emulate him all the time, talking about Mike Evans, of course. Growing up, my brother went to Texas A&M and my stepdad went to Texas A&M. So we would see Mike Evans at the game. I was just a little fanboy all the time. It's going to be crazy going into the league and then maybe go ahead and have the chance to learn from him. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting guy. Certainly has some confidence, some swagger about a nice build too. He's a bigger receiver. I think that's, that's an area the Buccaneers need to kind of tap into get, to get a bigger body. Mike Evans has been an absolute machine at wide receiver. He rarely misses time. You know, in the, in the past, it might be a game right for a hamstring or there was Mm -hmm. a suspension for getting into it with Marshawn Lattimore in uh, new orleans but otherwise plays hurt has a great job of staying healthy but at the same time boy if you lose mike evans if he's out for an extended period of time you don't have a big body receiver and and that's one thing i think baker mayfield latched onto is that big catch radius that mike evans presents and that's why he was the the leading receiver for baker mayfield um just a a couple things to wrap up the show we've we've had our senior bowl portion to kind of hit on some of of the news of the day um I don't know that there's a huge loss, to be perfectly frank with you, with Harold Goodwin and Joe Gilbert going to uh, Carolina, especially from a run game standpoint. The Buccaneers have not finished higher than 24th in rushing in any of the last five seasons with Gilbert and, and Goodwin here. They're very good in terms of pass protection. The Buccaneers, one of the best pass pro units. And I think that's going to continue. 
But in terms of the run game coordinator job that Harold Goodwin did, it just did not have success, whether it was under Byron Lefwich, whether it was under Dave Canales. Tampa Bay struggled to really run the ball. The only time they really found su sustained success was actually during that Super Bowl run. Mm -hmm. In the postseason, lightning struck, and, and they were able to rip off several 100-yard games in the postseason. But I think Tampa Bay can, can find an upgrade. One of the guys that I like that's still out there is, is Tom Cable, the former Raiders oh, yeah. offensive line coach. And, and I think that that there is there's some within the building that would love to see maybe along the offensive line, uh, some more physicality and uh, in, in terms of, of taking guys to the ground, that's something that Ryan Jensen was, was successful doing. And um, it will be interesting to see who they end up replacing Gilbert and Goodwin with, Matt. Yeah, and I, I think it would be fair to say that the, the Bucs, you know, since that 2020 Super Bowl season it is – Maybe, and you kind of see it in Rashad White's game a little bit, and this isn't knocking Rashad White, but at times it's a little too much finesse. And, yep. you know, we called him a smooth operator. A couple guys on these teams are yep. on this team is, is a smooth operator. But I wouldn't hate seeing the Bucs kind of keep the passing game that they've had, whether it's the Bruce Arians, no risk it, no biscuit yep. going deep, or what they did in the canal system last year. But when it comes to the run game, really try to get momentum going with that hard-nosed, yeah. ground-and-pound type of style right. that um, that other teams have had and found success with. And just add a little bit of a different element to this Bucks group where you're changing your identity a right. little bit, not completely, I think but just exactly making it right. for the better. You know what? Uh, let's, let's key in on a couple of common denominators from the interviews that they've done with some of these offensive coordinators candidates. Uh, Matt, when you look at at the, the you know the the familiarity with Baker Mayfield, I think yeah. I think that certainly gives a guy like Alex Van Pelt a bit of a of a leg up, right? He's also been a play caller, right? So there's there's those two things in his column. The other thing that maybe we've been overlooking with Alex Van Pelt is the fact that the Cleveland Browns have had a dominant run game. Oh yeah, right with Nick Chubb and with Kareem Hunt, uh, you know, being there with with that one two punch. And, and that's something the Bucs want to continue. Under Todd Bowles, remember, what type of offensive coordinator he wants. He wants someone who can run the ball and, and stay committed to it, but obviously have more success than the Bucs have had. I think that's something that they want to see an uptick is, is more improvement in terms of running the ball, yards per carry, um, the overall production increase, but then also play action. That plays to yep. Baker Mayfield's strength. So, so Alex Van Pelt has some – Connection to Baker Mayfield, he believes in running the ball, believes in play-action passes, and he has some play-calling experience. And I think this might make him, as of right now, they're still scouring candidates, but I, I think that might make him the leader in the clubhouse right now. And and uh, Van Pelt, again, having that experience. The other guy that was touched on earlier in the show is, is Brian Johnson, right, from the – Philadelphia Eagles. I know that he was was fired from his job, but what do the Eagles do? They run the ball well. They, do. they have that play action passing game. It certainly fizzled at the end of the season, and um, you know maybe maybe there's there's something to that. It's not always um, one person in the organization. And you look at, at Nick Sirianni, right? He went through the offense and defensive coordinators going and leaving for head coaching jobs, and and Brian Johnson got elevated. It was a different role for him as, as a play caller, but you know he does have some play caller roots from his days at Florida, where he worked with Kyle Trask of all people. So there's there's a little bit of a connection there. Not that anybody's calling for Kyle Trask. Not Trask time just yet. It's not Trask time just yet. But but again, the common denominators are Johnson and Van Pelt have been play callers, so mm -hmm. they bring more experience than Dave Canales did last year as a rookie play caller. They also come from teams that like to run the ball and have balance. So that's an important common denominator to look at when it comes to what the Buccaneers want to continue to do with Todd Bowles, because that was something that attracted him to Dave Canales. The fact that Seattle had that run game mm -hmm. and Geno Smith was kind of in the same boat Baker Mayfield was. So keep an eye on those two names, Alex Van Pelt 
Brian Johnson, they might be the leaders in the clubhouse right now. And that's what makes the senior bowl so much fun and the combine coming up as well, because a running back drafting another running back is still in play for the Bucks this season. And I really do think it could benefit everybody. I mean, the stats may not be the same for Rashad White, but I wouldn't hate seeing a one-two punch combination with Rashad White and another rookie running back or uh, maybe a step up from Chase yep. Edmonds. Like we said on yesterday's show, Chase Edmonds, I think, is better as a running back three. Yep. Who, If you need to spot start him in a game, I like him much better in that situation than kind of like what he was last season because Chase Edmonds does get hurt That's a fair right. amount yep. year in and year out, even back when he was with uh, the Cardinals and and uh, obviously with the Bucks this season, he missed a couple of games. So maybe bringing in a rookie running back this year, you can keep Edmonds on the team. He's a good locker room guy as well. Um, and you still kind of upgrade that just a little bit. I know um, the Georgia running back uh, Edwards, Dejon Edwards. Yeah. Um, I thought <laughs> the session that he was in, in the, in the afternoon mm -hmm. with the American team, the defensive line absolutely dominated. I know like uh, Braden Fisk from Florida state, got a great first jump, and it was difficult for really anybody on offense to yeah. do many things in that second group. But Edwards had a couple of moments where he was able to uh, scamper and had a big screenplay, had a big run um, up the field. So that's someone that I have my eye on. I like Ray Davis from Kentucky, even though I don't think he uh, did too much today, but it's only one practice and you can have a couple more to go. So those are a couple people I had my eye on. Uh, one last thing. Carlton Johnson, uh, another Carlton. Carlton, yeah. a quarterback that can catch the ball, uh, had an interception in practice today off of uh, Spencer Radler. Again, the second half of practice with the American team was, in my opinion, mostly taken control of by the defense, where the first practice with the national team was much more high-flying offense. Yeah. Rice, who we talked about, uh, a lot of the other uh, wide receivers that were mentioned earlier on the show were – kind of kind of took center stage yeah. uh, in that sense, if you will. So those are just some of my comments on that as we get to Jeff the Champ as well. Yeah, this is an interesting premise here, right? Um, Jeff the Champ says, if Jensen retires, do you think he would, would be interested in coaching O-line? That's, that's pretty interesting. I, I think the Buccaneers might want to go with, with a, a proven offensive line coach, but if Ryan Jensen was your assistant offensive line coach, mm. right? I mean, <laughs> he certainly has the mentality, the knowledge, the experience you're looking for. And and you know what? He kind of served as as a coach slash mentor yeah. um, this year, which was different than, than the, the, the year last before. year. Because I think that, you know, he was kind of, let's face it, he was dejected. Uh, the, the fact that that he was was not able to, to play and, you know, he was supporting – his, his team, but that was kind of the role of, of Ryan Jensen, kind of sitting on the bench, listening in, observing, right? Um, not wanting to overstep his bounds as a player on injured reserve in 2022. But we saw a much more active Ryan Jensen on the sidelines last year. And so maybe that's the case. Or A.Q. Shipley is another name to keep yep. in mind, uh, former offensive lineman. And I uh, know the organization, there were some people here in the organization that think still highly of A.Q. Shipley. Those are two names, former Bucks centers to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. A.Q. Shipley, you can see him on the, the Pat McAfee show yeah. from time to time. But yeah, he was important with that Bucks group up until he had a, unfortunately, career-ending yeah. um, injury. But Still works with Robert Hainsey in the offseason. Yeah, actually and, throughout the year. exactly. And Jensen being in the locker room every single day, I mean, we see a lot of different players go and uh, you know become coaches. Or yeah. maybe that's something where Jensen maybe didn't even necessarily – have the itch, but all of a sudden you start doing it and you go, Hey, I like this. I think yeah. I can continue this as a career. Cause unfortunately it looks like Brian Jensen yeah. may never play in the NFL again, hey. but he could still have his imprint on the game. How about Tom Cable as offensive line coach and Ryan Jensen as offensive assistant line coach. That would be something too. That would be something uh, very cool. Another thing that is very, very cool is, our friends over at Immuni Financial, make sure that you check out Immuni Financial very soon. At Immuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations, we're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. 
we can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. Managing your family's wealth means more to Muni Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, and college savings accounts for the kids, as long as as well as insurance services. With over 40 years of experience, let Muni Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. Call Muni Financial at 1-800-868-6864 or visit them on the web at immuni.com. All right, guys, that's our Senior Bowl day one wrap-up. A lot of great stuff. We're going to do it all again tomorrow in Pewter Prime Time. But in the meantime, please follow us on our social media, at Pewter Report, on X, Instagram, Threads, and Facebook. And our YouTube channel is at Pewter Report TV. Guys, we got tons of content out both uh, on the website, on social media, anywhere you want to go. We got all the Senior Bowl coverage and all of the Bucks coverage. So please like, subscribe, leave a comment as well. I'm excited to get back into it tomorrow during Pewter Prime Time. So that's going to do it for us on tonight's show. For all the Pewter Report staff that joined us tonight, for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out.